we, we're taking three, three messages to go through one chapter here. Uh, so this is the second one. We'll wrap it up next week. But uh, as we began this chapter last week, I just mentioned, and I'll mention again, that if man had written the conclusion to the book of Job, it would be it would go differently than did than it did end up because we would not have we would have ended with explaining we would have talked about the why and uh, that it was an issue between God and Satan and Job it had nothing to do with you ultimately this is not because of something you did or didn't do but that's not how the book ends the the first thing it focuses on in this chapter is the improvement of Job's character. And of course, we know God has used several chapters to ask a bunch of questions that Job, uh, that drove Job to humility. And so when we face trials and troubles, uh, sometimes we ought to pay mu- as much or more focus on the result of them than the reason for them. Uh, whys are often never answered. Uh, have you ever went through something in your life? You still don't know why. We don't, we don't know the whys, uh, many times what we go through. But one of the great results of this trial for Job was his recognition of some important truths of God. We talked about those last week, so I'm not going to go through those again. Uh, but uh, this this is uh, this certainly goes differently than what we would have done it, and I hopefully will make clear as we go through why. Now, verse six is the ending of Job's speaking, and when he answered the Lord here, and if Job, the book of Job, would end at verse six then we'd have, uh, everything would be different. But it doesn't, because now God talks to Job's friends. If Job's friends would have heard everything that God said to Job, and then Job's response in verses 1 through 6 of chapter 42, they would have been, in fact, they may have been sitting back, yep, yep, Job, we've been trying to tell you, we've been trying to tell you. But now, God turns his guns on the friends, and he's going to speak to them. Uh, God did deal stern, did deal sternly with Job, but that did not mean that Job had done some great sin to cause his troubles. It did not mean that Job was one of the, the one at fault and his friends were right. Not at all. He, he was in the right. They were wrong. But God was simply polishing his gem, as we've talked about numerous times. Spending more time with more value. They weren't worth the effort the way that Job was. But now, he talks to them. Let's look at what he has to say. Verse number 7. And it was so that after the Lord had spoken these things unto Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends, for ye have not spoken of me in the thing that is right, as my servant Job hath. Therefore take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams, and go to my servant Job, and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering, and my servant Job shall pray for you. For him I will accept, lest I deal with you after your folly." That which ye have spoken of me, the thing which is right, like my servant Job. So Eliphaz the Temanite, and Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Naamathite, went and did according as the Lord commanded them. The Lord also accepted Job. Father, I pray you'd help us in the next few minutes together here to learn something we can apply in Jesus' name. Amen. So God shows here a requirement he has for them, and I think it's fascinating as we break this down because they're forced to humble themselves in a big way. Uh, yes, before God with the sacrifice, but before Job as well. Now, I want to look at the requirement that God puts before them. Uh, first, look at the sin, verse number 7. 
He said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends. That's Bildad and Zophar. For ye have not spoken to me that thing which is right as my servant Job hath. So sin prompted this requirement he's going to put on the friends, this sacrifice uh, requirement. Uh, he talks about the character of the sin in that ye have not spoken of me the thing with that is right. This was a, a sin against God. It was dishonorable against God. The, the meaning of the word translated right there has the idea of erecting something, uh, setting something upright. Something has fallen over, you set it up and put it right again. Uh, these men had not set up God properly, he's saying. They had dishonored him. And God is very concerned about his honor. Can we remember that? The first time he starts talking to Job, that's all it was about, was his own honor. He didn't explain to Job why what happened. He didn't say, oh, I'm so sorry. He did not commiserate with him. He simply addressed the lack of people showing him the proper honor. God wants honor. He's a jealous God. He deserves that, and he wants us to give him that honor. This was a serious sin. Look at verse number 8. Uh, um, the word folly he talks about uh, in verse number 8. That this sin is not a trivial one. Uh, dishonoring God uh, or not honoring Him properly is a serious sin in God's eyes. Our land is filled today, our society, with people that dishonor God in their language. I hear it all the time with uh, when they attach God's word to damn and use it as a curse word. And they'll use it as casually as they just... Casually as if they're talking about the weather. I was just at uh, uh, having coffee up at Hy-Vee with somebody a couple days ago, and, and two guys, two booths down, talking to us. Just and one guy kept using it, kept using it, just as calmly. I mean, we've got people around, and uh, you know, it stabs me in the heart every time. By the way, um, best thing you can do is go up and give him a gospel track. So I just go. Up. You've been talking about him. Here's something you can read more about it. And, uh, he didn't do it anymore after that. But uh, profane speech is not just letting off steam. Profane speech is not just getting it off my chest. It's a serious sin against God when we use God's name in vain. And uh, I don't like, in my home, I don't like gosh even been, being used or anything like that because it, it's, it's just a replacement for a replacement. And I don't like to see God's name used in vain. But the, the Bible says that dishonoring God is a very serious sin. Now look at what, the, uh, what he says about it. My wrath is kindled against thee. And then he finishes up, lest I deal with you after your folly. This provoked God. He actually, it provoked his anger, his wrath. And the last thing you want, friend, is God angry with you. Amen? Uh, that is not something any of us want. Other people can get, I don't want anybody to be angry with me, but least of all, I don't want God to be angry with me. You know, he's kind of all-powerful, so he could do whatever he wants. And I don't want somebody like that angry with me. When God's angry with you, your life can be in big trouble. Uh, he says, I will deal with you after your folly, folly, this predicted judgment. Dishonoring God always brings judgment. And the punishment is fair. He says, I will deal with you after, or that is according to your folly. You did this, so therefore I will do this because of that. They brought it on themselves. The punishment is seri uh, fearful. The, the sin is serious and God punishes it accordingly. Again, let me just mention, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but we may look lightly at profanity uh, when it uses God's name in vain. It is not a light thing. And by the way, I don't think we ought to be jerks or rude, but speak up. If people want to damn 
God's name around you, the least we can say is, you know, that's my father you're talking about. I'd rather you not use, uh, use, cur- use his name in a curse word. We can be kind about it. Then look at the contrast to the sin. In verse 7, you have not spoken of me the thing that is right as my servant Job had. So the speaking of God by the three friends is contrasted to Job's speaking about God. Remember what they said about everything Job said was wicked and they couldn't say enough about how bad Job was. Now God says two complimentary things about Job's speech here. He says that it was right. Uh, He spoke sternly to Job about Job's comments because at time they were not good. They were questioning God. But Job's failure was much less than his friend's failure in speaking about God. Here's why. You had a good man who said some dumb things in the middle of great pain. That's Job. Haven't we all done that? Yeah, we're not saying it's right. But sometimes in great pain, we can say some things or feel some things. We can feel depression and, or we can worry and or those type of things that aren't, you know, they're sin, yes, but great pain and great trial and great trouble bring some of those doubts into our life. That's what Job. Where on the other side, they had bad men that were speaking from the heart. They were kind of bad from the core, these three friends. And so uh, Job, yes, he did say some things that required God to address, but he was speaking from pain. You had a good man who spoke uncharacteristically. So when Job said the things he said about God, when he questioned God, this was not Job's character. It was out of character because he's lost his kids, he's lost his wealth, he's lost his health, he's sitting in a pile of ashes with a bunch of boils all over his body. Not excusing sin. But yeah, we're probably going to do some unwise things or say some unwise things in those times. So God, he dealt with it, but it didn't come from Job's heart. It came from his pain. And where where the others were bad men who were showing their character. They were showing their character and what they were saying. So he says, basically, Job was a good man, but they were bad men. Job honored God, they did not. He calls Job my servant. This is a great compliment. We should all be in God's service and serving him. So, then uh, now let's get to the punishment. The requirement he puts on them was to make a sacrifice. Look at the uh, look at verse number 8. Therefore take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams. The sacrifice was not a cheap one. Seven bullocks and seven rams is a sizable offering. Interestingly enough, I don't know if it matters, but a little trivia, this is the exact offering that Balaam told Balak he had to make when they were cursing the Israelites. Uh, all the way up in Numbers 23.1, build me here seven altars and prepare me here seven oxen and seven rams. Oxen in, uh, in uh, Numbers is the same word translated bullocks uh, here in Job. So I, I thought that was interesting. Uh, it was not a, not a cheap offering here. And then he tells them when, right now, take unto you now. So it was to be a prompt offering. Uh, the three friends of Job were to get busy about this right now. They were under the judgment of God and needed to hasten their actions. Anytime you're under the wrath of God or you're out of the will of God, make haste to make this right. We ought to have very short accounts with God. And so uh, this is something that we ought to take care of promptly. Spiritual matters, they need to be dealt with promptly. Delay always brings damnation. And so he says, take unto you now. Now here's, here's where it gets. I read this and I... Laughed out loud. LOL, is that what that is? Love a lot or laugh out loud? Okay. Uh, 
go to my servant Job and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering. They had to take this offering to Job and get him to be basically the officiating priest in these offerings. Can you imagine how devastating this is to them? Can you imagine how humiliating this is? They have spent 30-some-odd chapters denigrating and desecrating Job. Now they've got to come with this offering in hand. Well, they're not going to carry seven bullets. But you know what I'm saying. They're coming with his offering, and they have to come to Job, and uh, uh, Job, will you help us with our sacrifice? This is embarrassing. It's humiliating. And it's a just punishment for them. Imagine how they would have felt having to do this. Going to Job elevated him a lot, and it, spiritually speaking, Again, it put him a level he should have been at all along. Uh, he was going to be the officiating priest, and uh, he was the spiritual supervisor here for the whole process of the offering. And, and they, they're forced to go to him and treat him this way. I think this is sweet, sweet justice, isn't it? I mean, it doesn't always happen. We don't always get vindicated. But you talk about some sweet justice, this is it here. Uh, go, going uh, to Job, uh, they, they were, uh, and by the way, it says later that Job prayed for them. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But going to Job involved more than just prayer. It, it involves spiritual position. And uh, this is putting him on a pedestal where he should have been anyway. Now, if we want to sacrifice to God, uh, if we want to please the Lord, we're going to have to walk a humble path like these men did. Before they could please God in a sacrifice, they had to be humbled. And we do too when we come to God. There's nothing like pride that will destroy your worship. You want to come to the Lord humbly. Humility is so important to growth. When you look at the idea of humility and growth, I don't think you can find a better example than the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. As the Apostle Paul, we see all the way from when he gets saved in Acts chapter 9 to when he finishes his last writing in 2 Timothy, and then, that, then he's done. And uh, that's his whole ministry life. When we read his ministry, we find something interesting. In 1 Corinthians 15.9, this would have been written in about 59 A.D., not long after he was in the ministry. He says, for I am the least of all apostles. Later he wrote these words in Ephesians 3.8. In about A.D. 63, this is four years after that. Ephesians 3.8, unto me, he said, who am less than the least of all saints. Time goes on, he continues to plant churches, he continues to grow in the Lord, and he writes in A.D. 64, in 1 Timothy 1.15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Now, I don't know if you notice the progression here. So Paul starts out, I am least of all the apostles. That's still better than most people, okay? because he was still an apostle. That's the least of a a pretty lofty group, okay? I'm the least of all the apostles. As he grows in his spiritual life, he says, I am less than the least of the saints. That's moving a lot lower than being the least of the apostles. And then as he matures longer, he almost at the end of his life, the apostle Paul, who wrote most of the Bible, says, I'm the chiefest of sinners. Can't get lower than that. It's interesting to me, and it's instructive to us, that the closer we get to God, and the more that we grow, the less we think of ourselves. The less we think of, of, uh, of basically humility than 
indicates growth in grace and a decline in egotism. <laughs> we think less of ourselves the more that we grow. As the years pass, Paul goes lower. He goes downward in his own estimation. As his self-regard sinks, so it is, it does his adoration for God who wonderfully saved him. And if we do that, if we cultivate humility and passion for praise in our life, we'll grow in grace like Paul did as well. This is what needed to happen in these men. Now, it's already happened to Job. God's already taken him down, polished that gem. Now he's dealing with the friends. Look at verse number 8. Ooh, this is painful. Just think about how painful this is. Job shall pray for you. For him I will accept. All right, you knuckleheads. Take this offering. Go to Job. Have him pray for you because he's the one that I'll accept this offering from. Not you. Him. This is humiliating. Think about it. How embarrassing. They've been pontificating against Job for maybe days. I don't know how long this period was. All this time, now they have to drag themselves basically bowing to him. And uh, verses, he talks about his wrath is kindled against them again in uh, verses 7, uh, just a reminder. The three friends of Job had good cause to have someone pray for them. But Job? I mean, it would have been if, if, if somebody else, but to have Job? This is the one that they were saying is wicked all this time. Now God says to them, get, this, uh, get Job uh, to pray for you. This is ultimate, ultimate vindication. Don't expect it, by the way. When people misuse you, don't look for or expect vindication. Because this is rare. Vindication does not always come. I'm waiting on like five of them. It's just not happened yet. Probably never will. Vindication, uh, we best just let it go. Let God have it and move on and live your life. But here we see it. God had Job pray for them lest he deal with them. So think, think about this circle. So have Job pray for you so I can forgive you of your evil. What was their evil? Attacking Job. See how circular that is? They attack Job. God comes to them. Now you've got to give me this big sacrifice. And by the way, have Job, whom you attacked, pray for you so that I can forgive you of your evil of attacking him in the first place. Vindication. Big time. It's, a, it's, it's good, good for us to see this. It's a blessing. The three friends elevated themselves above Job now they have to lower themselves before Job. Now, that's one side of the picture. That's them. That's hard enough. That's a hard, hard thing to do. What about Job? What about Job? He has to pray for them. He has to help them bring their offering and get them for, to get them forgiveness from God or be involved in that. It's not easy to pray for those who have mistreated us. After all they've done, now Job has to pray for them and uh, speak on behalf of God for them. Well, Jesus said, if you remember, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, Matthew 5.44. That means we're to pray for our enemies and those that misuse us. And that, forgive my English, ain't easy. It's not easy to pray for people that misuse you, that say horrible things about you, that, uh, that, that hurt, tried their best to hurt you, and we're to pray for them. If we treat our enemies like they treat us, we're on their level. And we need to be above their level. Uh, and you might say, well, that's what most people do. We're not called to live our Christian life as most people do it. We're called to live our Christian life as Christ does. And we have to make him our pattern. And Jesus provided the supreme example of returning good for evil 
when he prayed for those who nailed him to the cross. And now he has every way right to demand that we live this way because we've been born into God's family and we're to be like him. We're not to be like other people. Since he shows unwavering kindness to all men, so should we. He didn't discriminate. Aren't you glad? God doesn't discriminate when he shows grace. Romans 5, 8, but God commanded love unto us so while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's harder to tell for me. I look at this story. It's hard for me to tell which is more difficult, Job's job or the friend's job. The friend's got to humble themselves and bring themselves in front of Job and eat every word that they have spoken. What is it called? Eating crow? They were eating a lot of crow. They had to eat all that, that uh, they, they had to take all that back and come to Job, bring their sacrifices to have him pray for them. What are we praying for, gentlemen? Well, we're praying for forgiveness from God. What for? Attacking you. <laughs> Indication. Job's praying for the men is equally as difficult. I don't know which one's harder. Both of them are hard. I've been in both positions where I was wrong and I needed to go and humble myself. And I've been in a place where I've been wrong and I needed to pray for people that wrong. Is it? Neither one's a fun position to be in. It's a lesson for both sides here. How do we treat those that mistreat us? It says much about our character. Verse number eight, for him I will accept. Job was asked to pray because the three friends did not qualify before God. The sufficiency of our prayer depends on the sanctity of our lives. And Job's life was sufficient to back up his prayer. Job's friends didn't qualify. Job's friends were forced, forced by God to come to the realization here that the one they thought was so evil, the one they were just raining down their, their uh, disdain upon, is now the only one qualified to pray to God. They aren't. He is. Tough, bitter pill to swallow. Once again, Job is exonerated. But here's what I like. This is a blessing here to me. Look at verse 9. So Eliphaz the Tanamite, Bildad the Shuite, Zophar the Namathite, went and did according as the Lord commanded them. That is commendable, isn't it? That's commendable. Yeah, they were wrong. And you know what? They did what God said. That's commendable. That's not an easy thing to do. I, as much as they have annoyed me for the last almost a year that we've been going through the book of Job, I've almost felt bad for them in this chapter when they got to eat all that humble pie and come back to Job. But they did what? They did it. And that's a blessing. That's a good thing. It took a lot of humility for them to do as the Lord commanded them. But if you're going to obey God and, and please Him, you're going to have to be humble. Uh, in, in, there's, a, there's times in our life we've got to be willing to be abased so that He can raise us up. All three of Job's friends submitted. None of them refused to comply with the commands of God. Good for them. That's a good thing. If we want the rewards of obedience, we have to fulfill the requirements of obedience. Thomas Campus said instant obedience is the only kind of obedience there is. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Whoever strives to withdraw from obedience withdraws from grace. If you do not obey completely and quickly, don't be surprised if your rewards are cut short because he, God demands immediate obedience. And they were accepted. You know what? Here, let me read the last part of verse 9. So they did... Everything as the Lord commanded them, and the Lord also accepted Job. 
just going back to my vast wealth of knowledge about the English language, also means more than Job. So he, to me, that says he accepted them, accepted Job, because they did what he said. What a wonderful gospel picture in here. These sinful men were accepted, really, in Job, through Job. And sinners are accepted by God through Jesus Christ. We can't come in and of ourselves. We come through Christ uh, to the Lord. We, like Job's friends, cannot gain acceptance by ourselves, but we must come to God through another, just like they did. It's a picture of the gospel there. And praise the Lord that uh, we are able to do that. Because without Christ, we would not be able to do that at all. So we'll wrap up the book of Job next week. And uh, that should uh, 